talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad that you've made the connection today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we're going to be visiting with Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, the executive director and my dear friend, Tabitha Montgomery. Welcome, Tabitha. Oh, good morning, Lori. It's so great to be back with you, especially in the studio. This is awesome. It's wonderful to have you back. You know, when we've talked about Powderhorn Park in the past, one of the things that we've we've always kicked off with is talking about how neighbor neighborliness is deep work. Yes. And we've talked about what does community mean to each of us? Yes. Our living spaces, our happenings of life. What a year of <laughs> happenings of life. Maybe the understatement of the year that. Yeah. <laughs> and figuring out our community. Uh, what what has it been for you? I mean, this is, I mean, we we have gone through not only you know a COVID nineteen pandemic that you know made our heads spin, and and then in in the heart of Powderhorn Park, we had the murder of George Floyd, and and all the repercussions of that have changed the world. Mm-hmm. Has literally, literally, has been part of history in in our Powderhorn Park neighborhood. But we've also, and, and even up to yesterday, with the uh, the sentencing, it 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 goes on the the voice of Powderhorn Park. Um, well, why don't I start by saying first uh, a huge thank you to every listener, every person who finds value in Connections Radio and everything that your platform stands for in terms of helping to weave together and helping us to make sense and creating space for all the ways that we are truly connected, because I do think that that's a foundational theme that I'm going to kind of speak to here in a second, just in terms of how connected we saw that we were through any number of trials, tribulations, um, unexpected events, shall we say, that unfolded in 2020 and still continues to ripple across our communities um, and certainly Powerhorn and specifically. So appreciative to everyone who's spending time with us this morning um, to hear about all things South Minneapolis and Powderhorn and maybe Minneapolis. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit too. But what I will say is that I think that um, what we have found is that in the midst of concurrent crises, and that might even be an understatement because I think that there were certainly, it could be made the case that there was more than just two things that happened last year between the uh, a significant and almost historic loss of life because of the pandemic. And so certainly our heart still goes to those who lost a loved one um, or and, and was the, aware of someone. And the disproportionate impact. Disproportionate impact on various communities of color and low wealth communities um, to the unrest that sprung from the heinous murder of Mr. Floyd, George Perry, Floyd, George Perry Floyd Jr. I think that what it's safe to say, in my opinion, is that every muscle that the community had and that it did not had did not have was stretched. Mm-hmm. Right. So our understanding of one another, our understanding of what we would forego in service of the greater good, in terms of wearing masks, and in, in terms of sitting still. Our understanding of how do we use our voices and our bodies um, and our demands for equity and justice as we saw eight minutes of 46 seconds of a person's life being snuffed out um, in what felt like, uh, again, real time um, or some people who have not even been able to completely finish watching the tape. The the type and nature of, I think, impact that that has had on not only our hyper local community, but our state 
certainly the nation and, dare I say, the world, um, is unfathomable. And yet, I think that we've seen things like this challenge us for since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. And I do think that one of the things that has come out of it it seems to be a lot of conversations around wanting to be more deeply intentional about how we can be more whole, how we can be more healthy, how we can be more connected in the community to one another, to resources, um, to things that makes future unexpected instances not have such a grossly disparate impact on persons because of their um, economic status or their cultural or ethnic reality or and identity. And so I think that this moment holds a lot of truths and tensions simultaneously, Mm -hmm. which is we were not prepared for 2020. We were woefully, I think, in many ways, ignorant of what it really means for us to move in concert, not only together as a community, but as a nation in order to get out of trouble, in order to move to a different place where we weren't losing hundreds of thousands of citizens um, in over a course of months. So we weren't prepared. I think that there is now more, it feels like, a desire to be more prepared, to think more, think soberly and courageously about what holes we need to plug in our system in order for us to not necessarily incur the same type of loss if we are faced with something similar in the future. So I am encouraged by that. It seems like those types of conversations are happening. It does seem like we we lost uh, at some point, and maybe pandemics over the multitude of years we've had pandemics, people have never really been completely prepared for it. You know, yep. There's probably that. But it does seem like there was almost borderline arrogance, like it's not going to really impact us. We really don't have to worry about these masks. We really – I mean there was at – especially at the beginning, is it really that serious? And part of it was downplayed by political leaders. But within us, were we prepared for the magnitude of what this could be and and accepting in a community sense, what do we need to do together? Absolutely not. But I think that that speaks to, again, this, what I believe we're in a position to talk about how do we as a country, as a community, develop a better muscle around change, mm-hmm. behavioral change when it's needed, given mm-hmm. what we're seeing. It took a lot, I think, regardless of sometimes, uh, certainly of uh, political affiliation, uh, but uh, this desire to move quickly to work together for a common good, to reduce the impact on our communities, right? And I think sometimes there, some could argue that people were slowed to respond because of who they thought it would be most impacted. Mm-hmm. Some could argue that people were slow to respond just because behaviorally it was an inconvenience to worry about um, where to get the toilet paper or putting on a mask or any other, other things, washing your hands, uh, in all of these things that were becoming a part of our day-to-day norm, sitting still, not moving, working from home, all of these things, business is closing. And I think that that amount, the magnitude, really, Lori, of change that was required, it felt in my lifetime unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And because I don't think we do a good job in, um, as we are in society and through educational systems of really helping to teach the muscle and behavior of change what do you need to think about to get yourself through it when moments require you to pivot? Mm-hmm. So we pivot 
we pivoted really slowly, it felt like, because we had not built that muscle and for a lot of different reasons. And then on top of the pandemic and top on top of COVID-19, we then were thrust as a community into the reality, realities of isms um, playing out um, cultural assault, perhaps. Um, certainly we're seeing um, the ripple effects of what it means for us to not having really figured out a, a way to navigate and in, improve our gun laws in terms of access, in terms of how guns come into our communities. And types of guns. Types oh of guns. <laughs> People are basically now able to print a gun at home with a 3D yeah. printer. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us to look not only critically and deeply at the question of um, policing and police reform or abolition for some people, the the construct of that and what it and how do we have the communities that we care about or we believe that we should have, all the way to internal community violence, persons who are finding it more attractive and or possible to commit harm to themselves or to others. Um, and what do they need? What resources need to be in motion and in play so that becomes less and less of an option mm-hmm. for people who are more likely or predisposed to commit such acts. The realities of the housing crisis, um, potentially what many are calling the eviction moratorium cliff, if there is not adequate off-ramps, which have been you know, certainly in many ways hotly contested, um, debated um, at the state level, really across this country, and but understanding that there's a great need for it given the number of households mm-hmm. um, within our state that um, are experiencing that impact of being behind um, on rent or mortgage payments and everything in between property owners impact. There's a lot of work for us to do is what I'm getting at. And what I love about Connections Radio is it's going to center this idea of the only way we get through and navigate not just the blaming and not just the waxing prophetic about racism or isms is to understand when we are willing to adequately and accurately diagnose something, then we're in a better position to actually determine what is the right course of treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think that the position that I'm trying to make today is simply that there were a lot of muscles that we did not have um, in uh, built up for us to deal with the moments that we faced. It is incumbent upon us to figure out how do we build better muscles around not only our preparedness and emergency response, but how we actually understand some of those structural and systemic ills tied to race, tied to culture, tied to class, um, that continues to perpetuate inordinate inequities in communities and communities like Powderhorn Park in spe- specifically. And once we diagnose it, the question is, then are we willing to resource it? Right. Are we willing to put resources in places that reduces the likelihood that people will be influenced by uh, racially charged or culturally charged views that are not healthy? Are we willing to put resources into place that would really help to prevent violent acts by persons who feel left out or left behind of the system? Are we willing to put resources into place that allows people to more quickly and more readily find help for maybe the mental health or behavioral health challenges that they are experiencing in their lives? Because we have walk-in centers on the, uh, the equivalent in number to a Walgreens or CVS or Walmart or Target where we're not forcing people to deal with trauma in the cl- in a closet or in the shadows. Are we ready to resource our reality? Are we ready to resource our truth? I, it is my hope and a desire that we are. It is part of the work that our neighborhood association seeks to influence at a city and sometimes at a county level and where we can at a state level. Um, but all of those truths is what we hold is that we know that there are things that need to be improved 
the question is, are we ready to resource those truths in a way that get better outcomes going forward? And like I said, it's my hope that we can figure that out. After being in isolation, you know, essentially, for as long as we have been because of COVID, I have to believe there's been some reflection of how how do we want to reconnect now? You know, we do have an opportunity to reconnect. And I think perhaps we weren't prepared because our life has been so busy and we get involved in to-dos and things and happening that we don't take the time out to go, but how are we connected? Yeah. And how how are we part of this together? And what does it look like in building back something else? Well, I think that for me, it feels like we have to get aggressive. We have to get aggressively serious. You know, many of the housing challenges that we are now seeing explode, we they they predated mm-hmm. the pandemic. You know, the affordable housing numbers and not just subsidized housing, but just uh, affordable housing for people who are working Every day, two jobs, 2.5 jobs, taking care of 3.6 kids. You know, there was already uh, hardships for people who, you know, typically make 38 percent of area median income, typically was very housing vulnerable is what we would call it. Housing insecure because there was so few vacancies um, available, right, for persons who made 30 percent or less or sometimes 50 percent of AMI. And so that was a true before the pandemic. And so now we're looking around as that is being one example, one microcosm of what is the investment that's needed so we're better prepared mm-hmm. so that we can meet the moment. Mm-hmm. And so stop, you know, researching the moment, um, thinking about the moment from a, a standpoint of out, outsiders looking in. Mm-hmm. But what are we all collectively willing to do? What is that number? Is it a billion dollars? Is it $5 billion? Is it $6 billion? What are we willing to do not only locally but as a nation so that the things that we sanction, like persons who might be having what we would call untraditional housing, who lives outdoors, what is our real solutions and answer to, answers to that? How do we walk alongside those residents for who that is a reality, that that is a truth, but in a way that is really about seeing them where they're at and not Mm -hmm. trying to force people into what I would call traditional housing situations that are not ready. Certainly, if supportive housing is a mechanism that can work for them, great. Sometimes that's not the case. But we typically regulate those people to the shadows underneath Mm -hmm. bridges and behind billboards and the other the othering of Mm -hmm. the truth of our residents and our neighbors um, is problematic. And so that's in the space of housing. And certainly that's the spectrum between persons who are experiencing homelessness to persons who can't afford their rent or their mortgage and everything in between. And it creates such a tension because I don't know if we're ever really asking the question, what does it cost to live into the propaganda that housing is a human right? Mm-hmm. What is that number for us to live the headline to live the value of if that's what we claim that we believe, if we're willing to sign on to international um, uh, agreements that says, yes, this is how we treat a human being, what is the cost of that? And housing is not only a right, it's it's our health. You know, when you have housing, you, you it is the foundation for creating a healthy life. Yeah. And wellness can begin and get support. Uh, I know that I've I've had um, various – the Claire housing is for um, HIV uh, uh, individuals who previously did not have homes, and did mm-hmm. not have housing. When they were given housing, their health improved. So 
what does that look like, you know, for, for many and for all? I do need to take, have us take a break. Yes. But we'll be back. We'll continue to talk about Powderhorn Park. Um, we'll also be talking about the art, 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 healing, healing, community, community, <laughs> artists, ways to, um, connect together with art. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we are talking about Powderhorn Park and housing and um, resources. And we're also going to be talking about art, art and healing and events opening back up and how we can all celebrate the opening back up and as we open back up how do we how do we do the connection so i have tabitha montgomery who's the executive director of the powderhorn park neighborhood association we have had some folks be calling in i want to encourage you that yes we will open the lines it's 952 946 952 946 6205 how did I pause there? 952-946-6205. We are taking calls. Uh, it's been a tough year in Powderhorn Park. Uh, but there is such great hope and such great joy in looking at what are the possibilities. Absolutely, because I think one of the things that I think our community is extremely good at doing is looking at the world through a truth lens and not a deficit lens. So as much as 2020 has required a lot, has certainly cost many people a lot, we understand the truth of that. And yet we understand that there's power in doing, there's power in being, there's power in still desiring connection. And one of the ways that we see connection in our community is through the the lens of artists who have always been a part of how we try to show up and do our work, specifically with the Potterhorn Art Fair is a great example. Um, amazing an event that now is celebrating its 30th anniversary. We're celebrating folks a little bit differently this year for the second year in a row. Because of the pandemic, we needed to make some choices about format before uh, COVID restrictions began to be lifted. Um, and so we're excited that it will be online this year again and even more excited that we're going to be back in the park in 2022. Yay. So bear with us. Um, but you can check it out at www.potterhornartfair.com. Um, and that the official art fair event will take place over the first weekend in August, so August 7th and 8th. But the reason why I'm here today hanging out with my dear friend Lori is because we started a pop-up uh, series, a sneak peek to some of the artists and some amazing local Local performing artists that kicked off this week, um, and that will be uh, continuing into next week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So um, it will be live in terms of music and opportunity to hang out, hang out with, and uh, meet some of the artists that um, whose artwork will be featured on the online version of the art fair. But this week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're featuring one to two artists each day, meaning the visual artists who are um, contributing to this year's online art fair, alongside amazing performing artists who our dear friend uh, Chadwick Niles Phillips helped to produce to bring all of these amazing artists um, and performers together. And he's an artist in his own right. Um, and an amazing partner and friend. And so he has been instrumental or was instrumental in helping us with that component of this week's event, which is happening in what is called affectionately the old Robert Shoe lot at the northwest corner of Lake in Chicago, right in the heart of South Minneapolis. 
I know that 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 area very well. <laughs> I love that it's being, being referred to as the old Robert Shulot. Uh, so coming up on the 29th, we've got Alex T. Lang, and he is a clay artist, right? She. Oh, she, she, she. she. Yep. yep. So tell me a little bit about her art. It's just amazing. I mean, there is depth and texture mm-hmm. and um, what I would call a modern seriousness to it, but just beautiful um, and has been with us in um, being juried. Our art fair is a, our, our art fair, excuse me, is a juried event. And so consistently every year for the past several years has been juried into the show. And so just amazing pieces of work. And you're going to have some music that goes with it. Yep. Krishana is going to be joining us. Um, live music. You can check out more about the actual times that um, they will be performing on, on our website and through our social media if you're following us. Um, but we couldn't be more excited. That's what's taking place on Tuesday, the 29th. Oh, we also have Christine. Yep. Christine, Christine Basina. Basina. Yep. Jewelry. She's amazing jewelry artist. Um, and she will be a part of the event on Tuesday as well. We also have a caller. So... Uh, David, we would love to have the caller join us. And the caller will join us <laughs> shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> Looks like he's uh, – Chadwick Chadwick is calling in. So, David, bring D- is Chadwick on? Hello, Chadwick? I-, I don't hear Chadwick, so I don't think he's gotten plugged in. One more time. Here we go. Chadwick, are you with us? Well – when Chadwick joins us, he can just start chatting with us. Uh, but this weekend, again, it's Alex T. Lang. This is uh, not this weekend, June 29th. Yes, yeah, so that's coming up this week on Tuesday. Tuesday. So our pop-up series has been taking place over what we would consider to be a two-week time frame. We started this past week, but coming up this week on June 20th, Hello? June oh. 30th. Oh, Chadwick. <laughs> Chadwick, we're glad that you joined us. I understand that you're supporting the pop-up art. Yes. Yes, I am. Tell us tell us about it. Yes, I am. Yeah, so uh, the pop-up art series. First of all, am I, is everything clear? Because I heard you talking mid-sentence. Yes. And I said hello. So we're here? We're good? We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. So, uh, no, first and foremost, it's great to be here with, with you and Tabitha. And, uh, yeah, so the Powderhorn uh, pop-up series is a renaissance art uh, festival that has different forms of art being presented from uh, fashion to sculptings to visual art. And I've worked with Powderhorn on a couple of occasions before, and it's always been incredible. So when Tabitha contacted me to uh, present performers for it, I, uh, I jumped on it. And, yeah, it's an eclectic array of, of different performances from uh, soul music to folk to hip-hop to even spoken word poetry. And the artists who are performing for it are uh, Colin Bracewell. He is a mentee of mine for a program called the Catalyst Artist Collective that I'm an instructor for. So Twin Cities Catalyst Music is a nonprofit in Burnsville that I am the artist in residence for. So I brought a couple of my students along to perform in it. And then Jaquita is an artist out of St. Paul who has a a yoga spa that she just started in St. Paul. The Trail Melodies is an incredible artist as well. Um, Krishana Sade is a neo-soul artist, singer who's doing a lot of things on the scene. 
uh, Juice Lord. He is uh, one of the premier hip-hop artists. He's from St. Paul. He just released a new EP a couple of days ago called Spread Love. And Tandy Seasway Jackson Nissan is a uh, renaissance woman who won Miss Plus America a couple of years ago. Along with that, she's an incredible dynamic poet. So all of these artists who I've um, selected are doing amazing things on the scene in, in other avenues of art along with music. And my company is the Avant-Garde. We put on concerts and curated events featuring uh, eclectic entertainment and music. So, well, yeah. Ch- Chadwick, I'm going to ask you to stay with us for the next segment, and we'll do a little deeper dive on the folks that you're bringing, okay. along with hearing a little bit more about your Avant-Garde hip-hop history in the arts. Love to learn more about that. But I do need to go to break. So we'll go to break, and we'll come back, and we'll we'll learn more from you. How's that? All right. All right. We'll be right back. Just the connection. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and we're talking about Powderhorn Park with Tabitha Montgomery, who is the executive director of the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association. We're talking about the year that we've had, and we're also talking about art and having art be a way to bring us together. I also have Chadwick. Chadwick, um, introduce yourself for us. Tell us a little bit about what you do and your company. All right, so my name is Chadwick Niles Phillips. I am an artist, educator, and entrepreneur. I uh, am in two avenues of uh, service to the community. One is through my company, The Avant Garde. It's a music arts entertainment production company that presents artists who have an eclectic delivery and, and conscious methods with their music within the lands of neo soul, jazz, R&B, spoken word, poetry, live instrumentation. We have presented all throughout the Twin Cities, from the Amsterdam Barn Hall to the Dakota, from St. Paul to, uh, to, to Minneapolis. And we do programmings for uh, Fortune 500 companies. We work with uh, U.S. Bank, Target, Ameriprise Financial, so on and so forth. And I am an educator. I uh, teach my curriculum called Hip Hop History and the Arts, which is an art and life curriculum. Art in a sense of you have youth who have endeavors of so many kinds, from wanting to be in the music industry to theater. Life in a sense of they need to learn life skills, how to respect people, etiquette, knowledge of history, understanding. So those two things balanced create a, a successful artist with a successful career, and that influences people in a positive way. So. Well, Those Chadwick, are the two lanes that I'm in. Yeah. This, this last year has been a tough one. Um, how how have you seen? Yeah. How how have you navigated this last year? Share with us about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, being an optimist naturally has been great preparation for uh, these times, um, and understanding that there's things that we cannot control. So that's just how I, that's one of the ways that I envision how life is. So when the pandemic came, I was just like, lean on your optimism. And along with that, I'm a spiritual person. So uh, just keeping the creator first with all the uh, decisions that I make. And my understanding is don't let the negativity around you affect the positive within you. You know, you have a world within your mind. You can use your imagination. You can use your wisdom. You can use however your philosophy on life is in a positive way and not let the negatives get to that center of you. 
that's my message to everybody during these times. And along with that, just trying to treat people with respect as much as possible, along with treating myself with respect. And I've been able to level up in a lot of different ways. Uh, a positive side of it is I've gotten more time to, um, to, to, to get into myself, to look at the things that I can develop more, that I can have more time to elevate in. Uh, and along with that, just trying to look at the positive side. I mean, it's, even though it's a, a lot of negative things, I mean, if you have a roof over your head, you, you're still blessed. If you have your four limbs, if you have your eyesight, if you still have a functioning brain, if you still have food on the table, if you still have a job. So no matter how negative things are or they could become, uh, if you focus on the blessings that you have, then you always feel rich because there's so many that you can count. And there's been a lot of racial unrest as well. Um, you know, the killing of George Floyd, we just had the Derek Chauvin um, verdict. So it's a lot of it's a lot of tension within the city. So through art, through education, these are things that create uplift, it creates balance, it creates relief, it creates empowerment, it creates uh, guidance, you know, for the adults in our community and the youth. So being a person within my field, I think it's very important to, to keep in mind to um, pump optimism into the art, into the education, into the productions, and it can bring some type of relief and um, guidance and empowerment to, to all people of all races, you know, creeds and genders. Yeah, so. Well, we, we've seen that in the George Floyd, um, the, the, the center that folks can bring art and, and honor. Yeah. George Floyd Square. Yeah, George yeah. Floyd Square. And we could also be found in the corner of Hen- uh, Lake in Chicago. Lake in Chicago. Lake in Chicago this coming up, yeah. this coming up weekend. Right, I just right. want to uh, give a, a special thank you, shout out to you, Chadwick, for your time this morning and certainly for helping us to pull together thank some, you. bringing together some amazing artists um, at this corner. And so if you just bear with me, I want to run through for everyone who they can expect to see and to check out Um this week yes. coming up, so on Tuesday, June 29th, we're going to have Alex T. Lang, who's an amazing clay artist, alongside Christine Bassina, who is a jewelry artist who both of these persons, people will be showing on our online art fair on August 7th and 8th. And they're going to be joined with live music from uh, Krishana. Um, on June 30th, Wednesday, we have yeah. Christine Pacina back again and live music with Juice Lord. And then on Thursday, what's going to round us out, um, we, our artists are to be determined, but we're going to have a couple folks from our 30th annual art fair, which happens to be this year online, alongside lo- live music with uh, Detrail Melodies. So we are super excited and just believe that so much of what you were saying in terms of what arts can do, Chadwick, and how artists and um, influence and shape and create bridges and, 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 and actually healing in our community is profound and, yeah. you know, really accurate. So we just encourage everyone who's listening to give some thought to joining us, come hang out a little bit, spend a little bit of time. It takes place on each of those days between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. I guess that's an important thing to note, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. each day on June 29th, June 30th, and July 1st, um, and connect with some amazing local artists as well as amazing um, performing artists is a way to uh, reflect, give, um, contrib- give a little bit back to yourself, give a little bit back to our community um, by being connected in community to one another. And speaking of giving back, Graves Foundation has been very supportive of this event as well. So a big thank you to Graves Foundation. They are the sponsor. Um, the Graves Foundation currently is the – they own the lot on that northeast corner, and they have been helping to um, – 
bring together a variety of community stakeholders, organizations, individuals, and groups who are working to try to create positive energy and connection at that intersection in our community by hosting a variety of different events throughout the summer. And we just happen to be what I think are the kickoff, uh, the kickoff uh, series with our Potterhorn Art Fair pop-up. And this is the kickoff of the 30th anniversary of the Powderhorn Art Fair. Uh, and you're getting ready for 2022. We are getting ready for 2022. And there are ways that you can celebrate the 30 years and help prepare for next year's art fair. That's right. $30 for 30 years. Exactly. And that's going to help replace tents. It's going to help revitalize. It's going to be able to invest in the art fair, uh, invest in the community, invest in the youth showcases, bringing national artists here. So as we're looking at what are some very tangible ways we can work together in rebuilding and, and being together in community, let's celebrate the anniversary with a $30 gift. That would be wonderful. Tremendous for everyone who's able to make that donation because we are ready and excited to be back in the heart of South Minneapolis and Powderhorn Park, which many of you know is a 66-acre park um, um, right there off of 35th Street in Powderhorn Park neighborhood. And up until the pandemic, we had been able to enthusiastically celebrate and feature well over close to 280 artists every year across um, over 20 different categories um, within that space. It's, again, different this year. We're mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. but this is our last year of being online. We'll be, we will be back in the park uh, next year, and your donation can help us to do that, to get prepared, replace old equipment, get new tents, so that we are back with a bang. You can go to powderhornartfair.com to make your donation. They take credit cards. It's uh, it's an important thing to do. If you want to be part of the healing, if you want to be part of the future, if you want to be part of creating community and neighborhood together, what better way than to support Powderhorn Park? Uh, and, of course, I adore Tabitha Montgomery, who is the <laughs> executive director. She has given her heart and soul for years in supporting this community, and it would be a wonderful way of giving back uh, to support the future of what this can look like. Um, Tabitha shared at the beginning of our, our show about what what Powderhorn Park has gone through, um, what you continue to go through, and ideally the hope is how do we look at healing? You know, what are ways that we can support each other in all our healing? Yeah, our community, I certainly understand and see, has been through a lot, continues to hold a lot has a lot of what I would consider to be recovering to do as we continue to hold the impact of the pandemic, of the murder of Mr. Floyd, of upcoming trials still related to that, of Derek Chauvin's sentencing yesterday, of uh, all of our uh, residents who experience homelessness and are unhoused or uh, all the other inequities or wealth disparities um, that continue to shape our truth and community. Um, And yet what I believe is that communities healing starts in part with community connections, being connected to one another, 
being committed to taking small steps and large steps of being committed to particular community issues. That's how I would encourage everybody who's listening to help is to identify an issue that you care deeply about. It could be the idea of policing reform. It could be uh, affordable, uh, affordable housing. It could be equitable development in all its forms. It could be um, supporting youth artists and, and activities for youth as a way of preventing certain youth or p- persons might, who be, might be predisposed, predisposed to making choices that harm themselves or others. There's any number of things that you can do. And I guess really my encouragement is that you decide that you decide and that you commit that we continue to walk this out with each other, that we realize that we can't get to where we all want to be, which I think is healthier communities, more prepared for the unexpected, certainly more prepared than we were in 2020 when we're faced with sometimes the unthinkable, the unconscionable, but that we do that work now so that when more things come up, we are better to live it out together as opposed to looking at all the people that we've lost. And as we continue to grow our art together and to come back together and celebrate art, Chadwick, won't you share, um, please share with us your contact information so if folks are interested in working with you to to bring your musical art and performing art to community opportunities as well as corporate opportunities or family opportunities. Tell us how to get a hold of you. Uh, thank you. So on Instagram, my personal Instagram is at Niles Got You. That's at N I L E S G O T Y O U. My Instagram for my youth program, uh, Hip Hop History and the Arts, is at Hip Hop History and the Arts All in One. And my Instagram for my company, The Avant Guard, is at The Avant G. That's at T H E A V A N T G. On Facebook, I am Chadwick Niles Phillips, and I have a website. It is www.theavantgardeis.com. So www.attheavantgardeis.com. Chadwick, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing. And I look forward to coming on down for one of the uh, hip hop days from 3 to 6 p.m. on either June 29th, yes. 30th, or July 1st. Thank you for all that you're doing to support. And I have, I have one more. Can I make an announcement sure. real quick? Sure. Just on the radio? Sure. <laughs> okay. Please do. So this is the first announcement for it. Uh, the Avant Guard will be putting on a concert uh, outdoors at the Mill City Ruins Park at Mill City Museum, downtown Minneapolis. It's called Soul of the Cities. It'll be Thursday, August 12th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. featuring Ashley DuBose, who is on The Voice, um, Lynn Jones, who is from the Grammy Award-winning Sounds of Blackness, uh, R&B artist named Jackie, who is hot on the scene right now, and uh, Nick Church who is a, a hometown favorite as well. So, yes, I think this is through on the radio. That's absolutely. right. Absolutely, Chadwick. Why not? Definitely. That sounds like an amazing event. Can you say the date one more time? Thank you, August 12th, yes, did you say? You. Okay. Yes, Thursday, August 12th, Soul of the Cities, presented by the Avant Guard at Mill City Museum. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I do have to go to break before we end the show because I do need to squeeze in one more commercial break. But thank you so much, Chadwick, and look forward to, to catching up with you either on August 12th or one of these days down at the pop-up art. 
in Powderhorn Park. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, Thank talk you to you so soon. Much. I appreciate it so much. All right, yes, we'll be right much. back. Stay with us. We'll be wrapping up with some more information about the pop-up art and the Powderhorn Art Festival. radio show. We have a few minutes left. Uh, we have had such a good time talking. I sort of talked through a lot of our radio breaks. So thank you for your um, engagement with us as we ran through our radio uh, commercials and ran them a little late. Uh, but we are talking and we've been talking about the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association. Some of the good work going on in the neighborhood right now, yeah. and Tabitha Montgomery is the executive director of the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association. We're talking about some pop-up art coming up, and Tabitha, I'm just going to let you give an overview of the upcoming pop-up art and ways that we can support the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association. Yeah, so we have this opportunity to do what we call kind of like a sneak peek preview to our August Powderhorn Art Fair, which takes place on August 7th and 8th online this year. But but the pop-up uh, series here is in partnership with the Graves Foundation, um, and it takes place at the northwest corner of Lake and Chicago in the heart of South Minneapolis. Um, and what we're doing is on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday of this upcoming week is featuring a few of our local artists, our visual artists who will be with us online and on August 7th and 8th of our 30th anniversary art fair. And then also with some live music that we just had a, our amazing friend and partner, Chadwick Niles Phillips, who helped to curate all of the um, live performing artists, the musicians for this week's lineup. And so, again, I'm just going to let everybody know, um, Lori, that on Tuesday, June 29th, we have Alex Lang is a clay artist and Christine Bassina is a jewelry artist. There will be on site at the old Robert Shue lot at the corner of third, um, Chicago and Lake talking about their art and selling their art. So you can come check them out alongside live music from Krishana. And then on Wednesday, June 30th, we have Christine Pacina again, who is our amazing jewelry artist. Again, will be featured um, on our August 7th and 8th online Powderhorn Art Fair um, show, along with live music on Wednesday from Juice Lord. And then on Thursday, to wrap things up, we're going to have live music from Detroit Melodies and a couple of other visual artists that will be featured online on our show in August. So we couldn't be more thrilled for this opportunity to create an opportunity to build connection, to say hello to some folks in person because we're not able to be in the park as we have been in Powderhorn Park specifically in prior years due to the pandemic and some of the early decisions we needed to make about format for this year's show. But we certainly are excited to be back next year. And my dear friend Lori already said how those who are listening could help us out with that. You could think about making a donation to our 30 for 30 campaign. So $30 for our 30th anniversary Powderhorn Art Fair. You can go to PowderhornArtFair.com and uh, you'll find where to make a donation. You can use your credit card. I'm going to be making out a check today to give to my good friend Tabitha to send that back with her. So checks can be accepted if folks Absolutely. come down to the pop-up and go, oh, I've got a check here. Check who, who should I give this to? You know, Lori, we take check cash and hugs these days. So if you want to give us 30 hugs, we will take <laughs> And you know, after 
after the pandemic, 30 hugs sounds really good. Maybe a little overwhelming, but really good. There's part of me that really was with the other part. Like, oh, yeah, I'm getting used to like being touched again. Exactly. So thank you. Thank you for joining us on Connections Radio Show today. I hope to see you down at the pop-up art fair. It's going to be great fun. And thank you for considering your donation to the Powderhorn Art Fair. It's a good investment, and it's part of being part of community. So thanks. Thanks, Lori.